My fourth semester grad school teacher, his name's Mark Wunderlich, fabulous poet, gorgeous hair. He said to me, if you can't be free in your life, be free in your poems. That was Erica Anderson Center sharing some of the advice she got on her path to becoming a poet. Stay tuned to hear more about Erica's journey as a writer here on Pages and Voices. I'm your host, Meg Bell. We will be back after the intro. Welcome to Pages and Voices, the local author podcast, sponsored by the Allen County Public Library. This podcast is dedicated to featuring the works of talented authors within our community. This is Pages and Voices, and I'm Meg Bell. Today's author guest is Erica Anderson Center. Erica writes from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Her first full-length collection of poetry, Midwestern Poets, Incomplete Guide to Symbolism, was published by Eastover Press in 2021. Her work has also appeared in Midwest Gothic, Dialogist, One Art, Anti-Heroine Chic, among other publications. She has her MFA from Bennington College. Welcome to the podcast, Erica. We are delighted to have you here. We are going to begin with you sharing a few of your poems, a few old, a few new. I'll let you go. Thank you. All right. I'm going to start with a poem out of my book called Radishes at the Grocery. My body stood gray, stood still in front of the radishes. November is a curious time for a cloud of unexpected color. The collective noun is bunch. Shouldn't it be staggering, somehow bigger, galaxy, bevy, infinity? Yes. The infinity of radishes gathered with impeccable aimlessness under hard light and forced rain, sat red, sat damp, white root antenna reaching. I stood in a Wednesday morning crowd touching them, slick root, smooth wet, fingertips to face, that swift and startling joy. All right, Um, I will read Midwestern Poets Incomplete Guide to Symbolism. So the poem the book is named after. Every bird is a metaphor In the center of this country, in between rivers with native names, guilt waves her hand, a beauty queen in a hometown parade. A poet is her trauma, and her trauma is probably a man, white and condescending. Possibly her youth pastor or math teacher. If she mentions booze, it's her dad. If she mentions fish or the late night fisherman, it's absence. If she mentions Tennessee, it's freedom, other images to consider, dead deer, hips, peonies, morning sunlight, the moon, egrets flying west, sparrows with broken beaks, snakes wound accidentally in hay bales. Mothers here, like any spot in the universe, carry big bags. Let's not go beyond that. Lovers are bonfires after homecoming games, and honestly, in a poem, grief scores the winning points. How many country roads conjured to replace time and space? Each stanza a bluebird, each semicolon a horse, each enjambment an alley cat infested with fleas, every moment of longing a red-tailed hawk. And if you don't mind a new one? Yes, please. 
The pedestrian of it all surprised me. Because I miss you, I cut precisely the plastic bag that holds your ashes. I used the teal tablespoon carefully. The grit of your burned body found its way into a beveled jar. Your body is sand now, or at least a type of sand, or the dust to dust the ancients talk about. And as I moved you from bag to jar, my hand became rough with your remains. I have now felt you in all the ways I, a living animal, can. Your dead body on my palms, your grainy remains, small stones from charred bones. The pedestrian of it all surprised me. Because I miss you, I moved you from bag to jar six months after your body was still a body in its man form. Because I miss you, I wanted to lick my hands, taste smoldered skin, but I let the hunger sit. I let the breeze take it. I washed your gray dust down the drain and wiped my hands on the hem of an old tea towel. Whew. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks. Um, I really feel like the book and also the new poem that you shared um, is just a really the perfect example of transforming life and loss into poignant art. Words that came to me when I was reading your work is lusty, sensual, mournful, questioning, and vulnerable. I felt like I was living these moments right alongside you. And just even now when you were reading it, I was getting a different sense from the poems and mm. I was closing my eyes and I was imagining the things that you were saying. Um, that's how I felt when I was reading the book. Um, needless to say, it is highly personal. Were you nervous to hand your work to the world? First of all, thank you for saying those things for thinking about my work with your eyes closed. <laughs> very nice. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yes, right. Uh, of course, I was a little bit nervous um, or a lot a bit nervous. Um, but I always come kind of back to a certain spot where um, there are a few things to hide behind. First of all, first the first one being um, quite possibly not everybody reads poetry. So chances are, you know, somebody's right. going to stumble upon this and right. not know who I am or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and the second thing is, you know, I just feel like art specifically, we have this thing. And if we, if we don't handle it, if we don't give it to the world, if we don't share our stories or whatever, like, what's the point? And I know that there there are points, right? Like to sit down and write in your journal and and be with your words and, um, but no, man, like these things happen to me, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, right? You know, part of your story. Your it fabric. is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And nervous is a a word that describes me anyway. So it's just like, yeah. well, I don't know. I feel nervous about everything. So <laughs> yeah. why not just put out this highly emotional poem? <laughs> sure. Uh, so it's just one of the things in my collection of nerve wracking possibilities. Sure. Yeah. Have you ruffled any feathers with your poems? Have people read them and been like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, um, I think in my early days, um, I wrote a lot about uh, religion 
And I still do in some capacity, but I'm not as angry towards organized religion. Sure. Um, and I hurt, I hurt someone super close to me with a poem, and I didn't mean to. I didn't right. set out to do that. Um, but you know, with conversation and all of that, uh, things things got appeased, so everything's fine. Right. But that's one specific, you know, pin pinprick in the in the sky. Um, my book, Midwestern Poets and Complete Guide to Symbolism, is um, it's like a love. There are lots of love poems in here. Yes. And since then, um, the beloved in this poem and I have had some uh, stormy waters. And so some of those poems were hurtful to that person. Uh-huh. Uh, again, things have been calmed over because, you know, <laughs> after a conversation, I feel like yeah, absolutely. a lot can be said. Um, but also, like, these are the things, again, going back to the first question, like, these are the things that happened to me. So what else am I supposed to do? I'm a poet. <laughs> right. I, well, right. And it probably opens the door to conversation, like, yeah. honestly, unintentional or not. Yeah, absolutely. It has opened the door to some conversations that yep. maybe have resolved some things. So. Yeah. Those religious poems, too. Um, I think that they're, they were super important at that point in my creation of, of art in my brain and that particular person, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was a foundational conversation for sure, both with art and with our relationship and what I thought about femininity specifically in religion. It was great. Yeah. Well, and if somebody is not a writer or not a poet, I don't, it's the way I process the world sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, it's just how I get things outside of myself. Yeah. Like th- I can say things in a poem that I can't say mm-hmm. to you directly. Yeah. I, I know. So I know. it's like they don't, some people don't understand that. And it's like, well, this is right. just what I know to do. Mm-hmm. Um, to my, heal, to move forward, to, you know. All of the good things. Right. But right. also to maybe be kind of sad about it too while right. you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my. Fourth semester grad school teacher. His name's Mark Wonderlick. Fabulous poet. Gorgeous hair. <laughs> they all have gorgeous hair. Amazing cheekbones. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Um, he said to me, if you can't be free in your life, be free in your poems. Oh, oh I love I that. Know, yeah, I got to put that on my wall. Thank yes, you, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I don't know you, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> He's fantastic. We actually carry some of his books here, so I would recommend that for sure. All right. I'll anyway, sorry. <laughs> so anybody that reads or writes poetry knows that it is very subjective. What speaks to one reader may not speak to another. Do the rejections ever get mm-hmm. to you? Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. We're supposed to be like the resilient type. Like I just told one of my students, like poets, we're the tough ones, you know, we're the ones who walk into the darkness and come out with the stories. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, like I, I love that. <laughs> you can have that too. <laughs> yeah. Um but man, like I'll have my heart set on a, a particular yeah. journal yeah. or something like where I feel like my work fits. Uh-huh. And there's this particular journal. And I have probably submitted there 10 times. And every time I get an email, I'm just sure, like, this is the time. This is, and Uh it's always rejection after rejection. And I did the math the other day. My acceptance rate from 2018 to now, my acceptance rate 
is 14%. (laughs) Okay. So that was like, I was just like, oh, that's awful. But it's not. It's normal. (laughs) It's normal. (laughs) But it's still. There are a bunch of us in the world. And a bunch of us are putting our work out there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Trying to get trying That's to get right. our words on paper. Yeah. For other people to see. So yep. um, how do you keep going? Like how do you just like how do you keep the excitement for it when you're like door slamming? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, because I like to talk about it. Uh, not because it's like, oh, it's a really good question. I have no idea. Um, the long and short of it is it's the love of my life. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh I write with a group every Thursday, and if you know our uh, schedules don't line up or whatever, I, f- I find that I'm a little more melancholy if I don't if I don't have that community with the words. Um, yeah, and if there are multiple weeks where I don't write, I feel um, like so tense or, mm-hmm. you know, like I need to stretch, like I actually mm-hmm. physically need to stretch. And then I'll like, what is going on in my brain? And it's like, oh, I haven't actually made time to sit down and make art. Um, and so that's how I keep going. Um, there will be many weeks in a row where everything I write is not salvageable, mm-hmm. but it's just the sitting down and doing it that causes it. Mm-hmm. it, it I feel like the, a good metaphor is just that it's blood pumping. And if I stop it, like my limbs are going to fall off. Right. Right. For fear of being hyperbolic here, <laughs> my limbs might fall <laughs> off. <laughs> so <laughs> the words collect, I start to collect the words and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have to collect like another word, like I have got to put this outside yeah. of myself, like write it down or I put notes in my phone. Yes, absolutely. Wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's time for me to like sit down and like try to make something of this, whether it just lives in my journal for the rest of my life. Right. And I'm posthumously famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's at least I am no longer carrying it around. Right. You know? Absolutely. It's out there. It's out there. Um, are you familiar with the poet Kava Akbar? I know the last name. Okay. So um, he actually lives in Indiana, teaches in Indiana. Okay. Um, fantastic. He... I think his um, Calling a Wolf a Wolf is his collection, I believe, that, that we okay. carry. Okay. Um, he, I, I've, I've seen him read a couple of times, and once he says he likes to write super early in the morning when he just wakes up because he feels like he's still slick with like the supernatural uh-huh. feelings and thoughts of sleep. So when you said woke up in the middle of the night to, to make notes, I bet those are some like fabulous that's really where, ripe fruit. That's where I got the, like, I think it's the line that made the poem that the one poem I've actually had published. So good. So good. Um, the about, um, I would not st- uh, stand on the backs of my ancestors. I would rip their heads off and roar. I woke up in the middle of the night with that line in my head. Oh my gosh. And it, so the note in my phone looks really funny because, you know, it's like 2 a.m. and you're like <laughs> delirious and you're trying to type this out. Yes. But I knew enough of what I had written down. Yes. And I think that's the I think that's why that poem. What a powerful got line! Published. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. In the middle of the night, it came yeah. to the veil. <laughs> you had like little poetry spirits just dancing around, like the uh, like right. the sugar plums dancing, but you had yeah. like poetry gods just dancing around you. Yeah. Here, Meg, take this one. Right, I got it. Thank, Thank you. you very much. <laughs> so I've had trauma, you've had trauma. Do all poets have trauma? Do you need trauma to be a poet? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm reading all these poems. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Well, um, well, I think yes, but I say yes in the sense that, like, doesn't everyone have trauma? Somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. I think about, you know, I think about even the most, I'm going to use such a silly word, but even the most, like, privileged people I know or people who have access to resources in a different way or people who had loving parents, God forbid. Like <laughs> all of these things, like I think about them or I know them or whatever. And it's like somewhere they've experienced big hurt, big pain. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they write it down or whatever, uh, everybody I think has trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, now, varying degrees, of course. Mm-hmm. So let's make that caveat. Um, but I will say every single writer that I know absolutely does. Full stop. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> so yes, I think. Okay, okay. I like it. <laughs> um, so have you ever been just so sure of a poem that you wrote? Just so sure and you're like, all right, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna keep putting it out there, putting it mm-hmm. out there. Did it get picked up? Like, or have you had a poem that you were really sure of that you kept trying to get published? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it isn't heartbreaking. Like you have your darlings, you know, and you're like, uh, you you're know, like your babies. Yes. Your yes. Um, I sprung this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from my head. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I just know that somewhere in the world, there's a home can you tell this is my canned answer? <laughs> Somewhere in the world, there's a home for all my pieces of poetry. Uh, but there are ones that hurt real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so quick story, and then sure. I'll get back to the answer. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. I mean, we're writers, for goodness sakes. Yeah. You're going you're to have stories. some stories. Uh, yeah. um, so I was on my way to PFW last semester, and I was at a stoplight. And my ex was at a stoplight. And we were facing each other like this. So I was headed north and he was headed south. Opposite directions. Yep. Yeah. Um, I will say, I will say, since then, there has been a reconciliation. So no longer an ex. So whatever. Um, So we're facing opposite directions. um, And I had this moment of clarity. I mean, kind of maybe like you're ripping the heads off of Uh ancestors. um, Where I just, I got to watch him like just in an observational way. He didn't see me. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what car I was driving now, you know? And so right. it, I had an ambiguity mm-hmm. and I got to watch him and like how he moved and how the sun hit him and what he was wearing. And I mean, it was crazy. And I got to PFW and I wrote a poem, boom. Mm-hmm. Almost no revision before I started giving it to the world because right. I was like, this was a gift to me. Sure. Wrote it in couplets because of the beloved and the loss and the broken heart and the timelines, like everything was, I loved it so much. And I probably have submitted that poem, oh, 16 times. 
And finally, it did get picked up. It did get, I know, like, hallelujah. It's coming out in January um, 2024. But, like, finally, it did. And I was just like, I'm not changing anything. And I'm not going to stop submitting this one because I knew that it had a spot in the universe, you know? So the question, you know, to answer your question, like, absolutely, I always do continually submit ones that I I feel like have a lot of stock, but that one was kind of um, a heroic end, right? Like Uh after, I mean, I mean it 16 times probably. And then finally this one acceptance came through and I was like, see, I told you, I told everybody. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) See? This is the one you're going to know me for. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I had one that I, that a place picked up, the guy responded instantly and was like we love this we love this let's put it out well then i got a rejection from them like turned around to like the next day and they said it got submitted to the creative nonfiction department he's the one that wanted to pick up but it's quite obviously a poem oh but we're rejecting it and okay. so but then they wouldn't let me say it was creative nonfiction and let him publish it <gasps> yeah so i was like i was I was so, but then I keep putting this. I've I stopped because I was like, you know what, this poem means way too much to me. And yeah. like the things that I was hearing about it, I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. I'm just going to be done. Like this one's going to go in the annals of whatever you call that word. Yeah. of failed poetry, and um, but yeah, because everybody kept saying it. Then it was ambiguous and it was vague, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to be done. Okay. So somebody at first loved it, <sighs> and then. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Let's let our listeners know that my mouth is open with just a, I'm a gas. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, whatever. Start calling it a hybrid piece because everybody's all wound up about hybrid pieces these days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, th- all there right. you go. I'll- well, it is creative nonfiction uh, in, in verse. Okay. <laughs> this is a hybrid like piece. All right. Let's. Okay. okay. All, all right. right. I'm serious. I'm okay. so mad right now. All right. We'll talk more about okay, this. Okay, absolutely. Afterwards. Thank yes, you. For sure. Thank you for that. I love <laughs> of that. Of course. See, and so that was my next question. Any tips, tricks for getting published? And that may actually be a very good tip or trick. Absolutely. Um, it. I think my biggest tip slash trick is just to keep working at it, right? Like everybody wants a little bit of a this the a secret sauce. There really isn't one. You actually really do have to work. And I mm-hmm. feel like it isn't just writing. It isn't just poetry. It, you know, it's, it's visual art. It's, it's music. It's every, like you have to put in the work and everybody talks about these like uh, one hit wonders or overnight successes. Like that is never the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, if a person is young, it's just like, well, what does this person know about? And it's just like, I guarantee you any person who continually gets published or gets book after book, they're working, they're working and they've established or whatever. So my main thing is my biggest tip is just keep at it, which sounds so cliche, but there are things to know. Um, the more you read poetry, mm-hmm. the, the more familiar you're going to be with poetry. I always turn to acknowledgments and thank yous in a book and I see where the poet has been published and I also see which poets that poet thanks Mm -hmm. and then I read them and see you know if we are um, if we have a harmony Mm -hmm. 
I try to publish in where right, yeah. those people Absolutely. have yeah. been published. And that's something that nobody told me that I just started doing on my own because right. it's just like, well, I really like this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who picked up their work? Right. I want to be in there. So okay. that's okay. also another one that I have. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you considered yourself a writer? Um... I would say that my, the genesis to all of this um, actually technically began in 2010. Um, But, you know, you talk to my Nina and she'll say, well, we always knew you were going to be something with words because I carried around a notebook and Mm -hmm. I'd lose my mind over like fresh pencils, Mm -hmm. you know, at the store or whatever. The supply shop. Yes. Me too. I wanted a new notebook like whenever. Uh Uh-huh. And I would just like feel the pages and like hold Mm -hmm. a pencil, you know, like we're crazy people. Yeah. But it was so good. Um, so probably forever, but I started actually working on it in 2010. Okay. Yeah. So do you remember when it clicked at something that you're good at? Uh-huh. Was it, was it 2010 when you're like, oh. Yeah, actually. Okay. Crazy. Um, my friend who is a poet, Brett Elizabeth Jenkins, she's a book coming out in January. We're all very excited. Yes. Um, she said, hey, why don't you write a poem with me every day in April? And this was 2010. And I was like, no, I'm not a poet. Because up until then, I was like writing prose, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, I had a blog spot. <laughs> Please, no one look it up. No way. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't really. And she was like, come on, it's 30 days of your life. Just let's yeah. do it. And I was like, okay. So I came here and I checked out a lot of anthologies and I just read poem after poem after poem. And from day one, from April 1st to the end of April, I watched it like just grow. Um, And so at the end of April, I thought, oh, this could be something that I could do. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe I will do it. So then April ended and I continued to write. And then May ended and then I continued to write. And in perpetuity. And here we are. And here we are in 2023. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a surprising beginning, really, because I was just like, no, I'm not good at that. And then now I'm like, oh, my God, it's the love of my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I the, um the George Calamaris event I hosted, he that's why my poem got written that got published that I Ooh. Yeah, like he just gave us writing prompt. And so I love generative I love generative things. Yeah. yeah. I just wrote it. Like I was like, Oh, okay, I'll write this. So then I was really proud of it, but I didn't I was like, Okay. And so I sent it to my friend and she was like Whoa. <laughs> Listen up, girl. You got something here. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm blown away. So that was what I, awesome. I knew, always knew I loved writing. Yeah. But I didn't know that I could do poetry. And it's such a fit. And you're right. It's like, it is like another child for me. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it really speaks to maybe I would have known earlier. Listen, I love my English teacher in high school. I mean, currently still love her. I think her first love was math, but she, she ended up teaching English, but whatever. She's fantastic. Probably not by choice. <laughs> Very small school. Yeah. Very low Here's budget. Here's what you get to do. Yeah. Um, but I think if we were given 
approachable texts as students, we could have been like, oh, poetry isn't some enigma that we have to figure out with lofty images Mm -hmm. that don't mean anything to me. Right. You know, if we were given that opportunity, I kind of feel like we would have maybe started writing poetry a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if ifs and buts were dates and nuts, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've taken as like a personal life goal. Like anybody who wants to talk to me about poetry, I'm going to be like, yeah, let me give you approachable texts that uses images that we're going to understand and yes. not necessarily like we all don't have to go around quoting like Tennyson all the time. Uh-huh. You know? Stuff that we don't even right. have a clue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <that's> right. <laughs> so does the writing process look the same for you every time or is it different? Um, well, it's, it's it's different. Mm. Uh, This year I went through some big stuff, Mm -hmm. capital B, capital S, big stuff. Um, One of my best friends died and I, which the poem, the poem was about that Mm -hmm. um, earlier. Um, That kind of shook my process up because I would be in the middle of a sob fest and I'd be like, where's my notebook? Where's my notebook? (laughs) And I typically, you know, sit down, light a candle, light an incense. I mean, it's very ritualistic Mm -hmm. for me um, on Thursday nights, you know, with the group Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like I have to have um, precise things. Um, But the the trauma of the loss and the, the grief on my shoulders made me see that like things can be different. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that I generated, the art that I generated kind of in his name um, is so different sounding than the stuff that I'm writing now that the urgency isn't there. So the process changes with the circumstances, I okay. would say, a lot of the time for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when things are calm and easy and my life is normal, I light the candle. I pour the glass of wine. I sit in the same chair. Mm-hmm. But when it's not, it's just like, you know, help. (laughs) Where's my pen? (laughs) You know, like, fetch me my notebook. (laughs) Uh, Poet fairies. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. somebody help. (laughs) What is the best money you ever spent with regards to your writing? I've got a lofty answer and I've got a smaller answer. Sure. Okay. Yeah. My MFA. Mm-hmm. And not from Bennington. From Bennington, yep. Which is in Vermont. Yes. Oh. Which I know it sounds so like, so not like me because I'm picturesque. like poor girl from a working family, you know. Going like, to Vermont. <laughs> I went to Vermont to get my master's in fine arts. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, it was of course the education and all of that. And I'm not saying that you have to have an MFA to be a writer. I'm not sure. saying that at all. Zero percent. But what it did for me was community. Mm-hmm. And it instilled in me that I need community. Because writing is such an isolating thing. It can be so isolating. Oh, yeah. I'm getting our feelings, and then we're sad, and then we don't mm-hmm. know what to do. And oh my God, nobody's accepting the poem. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. But then if, <laughs> you know, do this yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> but then you come back around and you're like, oh, this person from Pittsfield, Massachusetts is going through the same thing. So let me talk to him. And this person mm-hmm. from Southern California is going through the same thing, even though our lifestyles are so different. It's just like we share this commonality. And that was so good. And you just get to like, 
I just got to eat with writers and drink with writers and dance with writers and mm-hmm. workshop with writers and everybody in the same kind of boat. Synergy. Sounds oh, like some synergy going my. on. It's something in my life that I was so scared to even do, to even apply, and then I did, and it just flipped my life upside down mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Now, I'm not saying that everybody rush out and have, you know, have to do that or whatever, but for me, it showed me that I had a place at the table. Mm-hmm. Now, um, also buy, buy a good notebook. <laughs> That's my small thing. <laughs> like the notebooks right. that I write in are like 18 bucks. And it's just like, that's kind of expensive for a notebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where do but, you get it? Where do you buy your $18 notebook? Um, so it's a it's a brand called Design Inc. Okay. I-N-K. Isn't that glorious? And they're from Nashville. But I first came across it and just in a Barnes & Noble. I had a Barnes & Noble gift card. Mm-hmm. And that whole obsession with notebooks is uh-huh. still there. Me too. Me too. So I always go and check them out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> CVS. I can walk into CVS and sniff out the best notebook. <laughs> I, it's... It's really, yeah, it's anywhere. It's anywhere that yeah, I am. I'm like, I understand. Okay. Oh yeah. my gosh. So have you taken any risk as a writer? Yeah. I mean, I think we all do. Mm-hmm. I think every single writer, um, the best stuff is the scariest stuff, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and we all want to be edgy and, and uh, you know, but until we really just open it up and I think the biggest risk is being mega vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am accidentally all of the time on the page. Yeah. One time I had somebody say, I've known you a long time and I don't really know you. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, well, I do have a full length collection of poetry. <laughs> it's all right there. <laughs> you can find me there. Yeah. It's on the shelf in the 800s. <laughs> yeah. And I w- did want to mention, I had a heck of a time getting a hold of your oh. book. Yeah. All copies checked out. I had to call DuPont and they had to, yeah, fast track me a copy. Do you even know that um, when yeah. I have like pictures by the shelf where my book is? Because I was so jazzed. When I was little, the library was my favorite place. It was like, I know that sounds so silly, but. Absolutely not. Or maybe sucking up to the librarian, but. Sounds perfect. Yeah. I mean, I would go there. It was so small. I still remember my library card number. Mm. Um, That's impressive. Well, it was like four digits. Okay. Whatever. But um, it felt like, you know, not a lot of people bought my book and that's okay. I'm not even upset about it at all. The biggest success for me was coming to my library and seeing my name on the shelf. Yes. Yes. It was so cool. (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) So have you used social media as a tool to to grow your network or to like that reach of your writing? Yeah, me, no. You just, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I will tell you what I do with social media though. Um, I, I document, oh, this is gonna sound so <laughs> cliche. I document the journey, Meg. <laughs> Okay, but truly, when I'm with my writing group, you know, we take Uh pictures and we're like, "Look, we're having so much fun!" And um, or when I get, yeah, when I get Mm -hmm. a poem picked up, um, I I don't think I'm um, even in the same under the same umbrella as like an Instagram poet, sure, um, who you know get their acclaim and fame with thirty second poems or whatever, Mm -hmm. and there's a spot for it. It's just Mm -hmm. not my spot, sure. 
Um, and my friend Brett and I, uh, we will occasionally go live. Yeah. And read new stuff that we've been mm-hmm. doing. Um, but other than that, we don't, I don't really post a lot of poems okay. on my socials. Um, because if one of them gets picked up, I have to go back through and delete it. Okay. So, because it's published right. for the world to see. So you're just like, no, you know, I want to give my first rights to this magazine who might be paying me money. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So have you um, had any mentors that have been integral to your success? Yeah. Um, I, I've mentioned my friend Brett a couple of times mm-hmm. already today, but she's the one who started me even thinking. I mean, the, the whole 30 days of, of poetry in 2010, I would have never and anytime I had a question, I'd ask her. She went to Bennington, and I was okay. like, can you write me a letter, you know? Sure, absolutely. So she's really big in that. And then, of course, my four teachers at, at Bennington. Um, I had Major Jackson. Okay. I had Ed Ochester, who just very recently passed away. He was um, very dear to my heart. Um, just kind of a very tall, gruff old man who was, like, Harvard-educated, and he grew up in a steel mill town you know just just the juxtaposition that you want in a in a in a mm-hmm. you know blue collar poet um april bernard and mark wonderlick they were huge in my development um so i would say my teachers at bennington brett and then there's another local poet named sarah sandman who um really just they just n- nuzzle me whenever I'm down or encourage me. And, and we sure. do this. We do that for each other, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's a very, that almost made me start crying. You know, emotional yeah. and all that. All right. <laughs> I, li- I, like the, I like the realness. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to some sure. fun questions. What's your favorite book of poetry? My favorite book of poetry is called Chosen by the Lion, by Linda Gregg, okay, who has also passed away. I never say that term, but I feel like with the microphone in my face, I should be more like prim and proper. She's she's died. Um, she was now, kind. Did you know her personally, no. or she was oh, like no. a I really Mary wanted Oliver to. And I, yeah, she was married me. to an, a poet named Jack Gilbert for a spell. And I don't know really where it all falls in the timeline, but this particular poem um, is one propulsion, one swinging motion um, theme-wise, thematic. She had an affair. And every single poem was about it. And it was a full collection. And it just felt so raw, mm-hmm. so real. Mm-hmm. Like these are the the things, like this is the wife of my lover, you know, just things that people don't really yeah, talk about. Right, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and I encountered it at a really foundational moment in my life. And it was like, oh, this book is has changed me. Mm-hmm. And it still continues to be my favorite book because of what it did to me in 2017, you know. Now, she had published it, I believe, in the 90s. Um, all of my most favorite poets <laughs> are like 90s alt women poets. I'm just like <laughs> right. a very Lannis Morissette of me. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Chosen by the Lion by Linda Gregg. And I believe Grey Wolf published it. Um, fantastic. 
Okay. Fantastic. Now I, I now I want to go see if we have it and check it's it out. It's so good. Yeah. I do. Are there any books or authors that inspired you to become a writer? Is this one of them? She was, um, I, sorry, I gotta, gotta move here. Yeah, no, you're fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I came across her, um, Mark Wunderlich told me about her because okay. all of my, um, all of my work at that point in my life was kind of about uh, romantic relationships and strife in marriage. And he was creating a correlation. Yes, absolutely. And he was like, please read this book. And I did. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so I was already kind of in my writing mm -hmm. thing. Um, but, you know, it still does push you to to be like the people you yes. love. Yes. Um, Dorian Lowe is a okay. poet who I encountered early on. Um, very, very popular in the 90s. Gorgeous woman. Her hair is just fabulous. Uh, Marie Howe and Kim Adonzio. I believe that's how you say your name. I've never really heard it. I've only read it. Okay. Um, but those women really did kind of shake me up and like look at the things you can do mm -hmm. with writing. I am talking so much. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, that's what you're here for. Yeah, we, I mean, like, just hear... came to myself and like, slow down, Erica. Jeez. <laughs> I think it's absolutely fine. I love <laughs> Thank it. you. If you could spend the day with another author, living or dead, who would it be? You know, I, I want to say Linda. I do want to say Linda Gregg. Because I'm, I want to be like, tell me what it was like to live in Greece. Tell me what it was like to be married to another poet. You know, I want to ask those questions. Um, but I think... I'm going to say my sweet Ed Ochester because I didn't get enough time with him, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, I feel just, like there's more to learn, just more to learn. And just one more day. I just want to mm -hmm. talk to him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, tell me about your life these last couple of years. And hey, fill me in. Catch me up. Yeah. Where are the poems that I know you've been writing that aren't published? Give those to me so I can publish them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> So, yeah. if your life was made into a movie, who would play you? Um, this is so silly, but I would really want Drew Barrymore to play me. <gasps> I love that answer. She is. Oh, she's fabulous. She's right up there with Dolly Parton for me. Yeah, she's great. Uh, listen, and I want to hang out with her. Yes, the, we would be best friends. I know it, Drew Barrymore. If you ever hear this, we would be best friends. And if you did become best friends with her, could I hang out too? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, uh, this is my. She would have a lot of fun with us, Erica. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, sit down, Drew. Can we read you some of our poems? <laughs> <laughs> and she'd be like, let me uh, do a monologue I've been working on. It'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Share something about yourself that readers don't know. Oh, is there anything that they don't know? Okay, no, probably not. Actually, that's a lie. Um, here's the thing. I write about a particular lake in Tennessee all of the time. Just a foundational place for me as a, as a human being. Um, what readers might not know is that I'm a heck of a slalom skier. I can really? ski on one to who tied the pup. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Athletic Who and artist, you know, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm the complete package. The complete package. I love it. I know that's so silly, but um, it's kind of a thing in our family. Like, you know how to water ski before you're in double digits. So if right. you're 10 years old and you can't ski on two, you're out of here. 
Okay. <laughs> right. And if you can't ski on one by the time you have your driver's license, are you even related? To are us? you even an Anderson? Right. 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 So okay. we were we were water people from from the jump. Um, sure. So. Yeah. Okay. I like it. <laughs> so what's next? Oh, more writing. All right. I have enough poems for a sophomore book, but uh, I'm just really scared. It's it's all about loss. I mean, every single poem that I, well, that's hyperbolic again, but I would say 98% of the, the poetry that I've created since 21, 2021 is just about loss. Well, hey, listen, it, since 2020, it's sort of been a yeah. wild ride for everyone, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's just a lot. I mean, like to put out 70 el- elegies <laughs> it might just be too much for a reader, you, <laughs> you know. You about the curtains or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the carpet, I don't know. <laughs> um, I also want to start working on essay. I want to I try my hand at long form or prose in some capacity, but that also is pretty scary for me too. Okay. Everything's kind of scary. Going back to the ner- mm-hmm. the nervous mm-hmm. thing. I know. Yep, everything. I know. I understand. Yeah. Thanks. So how can fans reach you? Um, I'm, I am pretty accessible. I know I said that I don't use social media to, to, as a forward propulsion for my poetry, but I am available there all of the time on Instagram. Um, my handle is just at Erica Ann. Um, and I feel like starting a conversation there as opposed to like an email is just going to be more approachable for me. And I tend to right. answer everybody or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that uh, specifically. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say through my publisher, my book is available through my publisher, right. um, Eastover Press. And I believe it's just eastoverpress.com. Super easy. So Google my name and Eastover and voila, the internet magic does it again. And if you publish the next it would be through the same press. I would hope so. Um, my editor and I have a very good relationship and he's, you know, he has said, sure, there's a spot, but if you want to try for bigger, you know, publishing houses or whatever, don't feel like a weird loyalty. Sure. But I, of course, do. <laughs> like, but you gave my, like, right. my first child a, a place in the world. Uh, right. Um, but it's all, it's all up for grabs, and I haven't really thought too much about it, just... Okay. Yeah, but thank you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Oh, this has just been so delightful. Thanks for asking. Yeah. You betcha. And um, good luck on all future endeavors. I can't wait to hear what you do. Mm -hmm. I will look for your stuff. All right. Thank you so much. I'm Meg Bell, your host of the ACPL Local Author Podcast, brought to you by the Allen County Public Library. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by liking, subscribing, and sharing it with your friends and family. Your support means everything to us.